0: Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about faith. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to let you know about what's happening at our church this summer. Due to COVID-19 and everything surrounding it, our services have moved outside. God has blessed our church with an incredible seven acres in North Wilsonville, and someday we'll have a building there. But in the meantime, it's a perfect solution for us to have church during all that's going on in our world we would love to have you join us and so if you want the information about what our services look like this summer you can go to wilsonville.church slash property gathering that's wilsonville.church slash property gathering we would love for you to join us for one of these outdoor services they're going to be fun they're going to be different it's going to be an exciting summer and so we hope that you'll consider joining us we'd love to meet you in person Again, thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon. I really do hope that it'll help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. You know, as people were wired to want more, and and this kind of applies to our faith, I think too. Uh, I I think we think things like this. Like, if I had more faith, then I would be able to. And then you can fill in the blank. Stop sinning. Love people more. Uh, go to church more frequently. You know, whatever it might be, give to the church. All these things. If I had more faith, then I would be able to. Uh, and then you just fill in the the blank there. And I remember in high school, my youth pastor would would say to us, if you if you want to pray a dangerous prayer, then then you pray and you ask God. For more faith. If you want to pray something really dangerous because you don't know how God's going to increase your faith, if you ask him to do it, then you you pray and you ask God to increase your faith. And so I had heard him say this, you know, more than one time. And uh, near the end of my senior year of high school, after I had become really serious about my faith, uh, it was a really good year. I was uh, playing sports, you know, hanging out, barely going to school. Um, had a girlfriend that I loved, put it in quotes. Uh, and I mean, things were going so well, and then I'm driving. I can actually remember like the exit I was near on I-5 when I just said, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm just gonna pray that. And, and I prayed and I said, God, you know, please increase my faith. And then that girl broke up with me and ripped my heart out, ripped it to shreds like two weeks later. And I've never, I've never gotten over the fact that that's, that's how God seemingly said yes to my prayer by getting me broken up with. He was right. It was a dangerous prayer. And I, and I think here's the the cool thing, I guess, is that, that God, I think said yes to me. But the reason I, I think we even begin to think that that would be a good prayer in the first place, because You'd have to ask, like, why pray that? Why? What makes that an important prayer? I think the reason that we think it's a good prayer is because of what I've already said, and that is that we think we would be able to do more with our faith if we had more faith. And so maybe praying that is good, but here's, you know, at the heart of the story we're going to look at this morning in the book of Luke on the topic of faith, there's this, this just key, key, key idea that I think we get totally wrong. And here it is. Ready for it? You don't need more faith to be more faithful. You don't need more faith to be more faithful. I think what we believe kind of inherently is that if we had more faith, a bigger faith, a larger faith, then we would be more faithful to God. But this, this story that we'll look at today shows us that we don't need more faith to be more faithful. Why? Well, I'm going to leave that why up to the words of Jesus this morning. So here's how the story began. Uh, In Luke 17, 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith, increase our faith. They pray, in essence, what my youth pastor said was a dangerous prayer. They say, God, Jesus, give us more faith. Faith. It's really interesting. This is actually the only time recorded for us in the New Testament or in the Gospels where the disciples ask for any type of spiritual growth. Seems like they would have asked for things like this more frequently, but it does show us that they thought Jesus was more than some just great teacher or great rabbi. They believed that Jesus could increase their faith. But what's really more important for us today is the reason that they asked the question in the first place why did the disciples? Ask Jesus for more faith. It's interesting because the language here, when they say this, increase our faith. If you look at it in the NIV translation of the Bible, you see an exclamation point, and the NIV is trying to reflect that. in In Greek, it's a, it's an imperative. They're they're really they're really urgent in their request for more faith. And you're like, okay, what what happened here? What what was it? Did somebody not? walk on water you know did something bad happen what is it that caused them to ask for more faith and here's what happens in verses one through four right before it jesus said to his disciples things that cause people to stumble are bound to come but woe to anyone through whom they come it would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble so watch yourselves if your brother or sister sins against you rebuke them and if they repent forgive them even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Jesus tells his disciples really three things. You shouldn't cause other people to sin. You should rebuke people when they sin against you. And you should forgive people who have sinned against you. For me, I won't speak for all of us here, but that's kind of a, uh, those three things are kind of, you know, they grow in their difficulty. Like, for me, I can really do a pretty good job of not causing other people to sin. That's pretty easy for me. Uh, but rebuking somebody when they sin, calling somebody out in their sin when they've done something wrong to me, that's a little bit harder, right? To actually confront somebody and say, hey, that thing you did to me, it wasn't right. It wasn't what God wanted. I, I That's not the way that things should go. That's a little bit harder. But then, I mean, I think we all know this kind of intuitively, forgiving somebody who is constantly sinning against you, who is constantly going against the will of God towards you, that feels almost impossible. I, I've talked about these kind of things, these ins and outs of dealing with other people's sin in another sermon series called Planks and Specs. If you want to listen to that, let me know and I'll, I'll get it to you. Uh, but today what I want to focus on is just how difficult these things are. Uh, not causing people to sin, maybe that's not too bad. Rebuking people when they sin against you, that's hard for most of us. And then forgiving people over and over, that is that is really difficult to do. Uh, I saw one author give the illustration of, of uh, his wife chewing gum and how difficult it is for to forgive. And that's not a big thing to me, but, like, I can tell you that my wife would feel the same if I'm eating anything and it's decently quiet. Uh, I get a look first, and then I get a you know a little snide comment second, and then I get like, Hey, you know, idiot. She doesn't actually say that, but that's what she's probably thinking she should be. Like, I'm trying to watch a movie, and you're eating a Tootsie Roll. That's a really bad one for me. And I'm just like, I don't know if this will pick up at all. You know what I mean? And she's like, What are you doing? And, and this author was just saying like, You know, like, I don't know about big sin, but if my spouse continues to chew gum when I'm trying to read a book and I asked her once and asked her twice and asked her three times, it gets to a point where it's hard to forgive. You just want to be angry. And if it's that hard when it comes to chewing gum, think about people who constantly lie to you or who constantly talk bad about you or say mean things to you. You probably have somebody like that in your family. It is difficult to continue to forgive those people. And in fact, and I think this is very spiritually astute of the disciples, they recognize how difficult these things are so strongly that it makes them just immediately say, hey, whoa, <laughs> if that is what is required of living a life of faith, then Jesus, we need you to increase our faith. We need you to grow our faith. Now, Jesus' response isn't uh, what you'd expect, and we'll get to that response in a second. It's really, frankly, for me, it's surprising. But what I do want to point out is the disciples have something right here that I think we've seen in this series. Hopefully we've seen this in this series of sermons on faith. And that is that our lives and the way in which we live our lives is intimately connected to our faith. They recognize here that... that. Their faith is connected to whether they sin or don't sin. Their faith is uh, connected to whether or not they forgive or don't forgive. It's connected to the way they treat people. And, And so they see this thing that I hope we're all seeing. If you've been here for this series, I hope we're all seeing that our faith and our lack of faith or our great faith, it's all connected to how we live our lives. It's not just this thing that we have that someday will get us into heaven uh, or, you know, don't have and won't get us into heaven. It's connected to the way in which we live our lives. And I think it's really important for those of you who haven't been with us online or in person to say that we're now in the home stretch of a series on faith. And what we're looking at is a series of, of stories in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus talks about what it means to live a life of faith, not just to have faith, but to live out our faith. And the disciples here say, wow, when something is hard, then the natural response, they show us that the natural response is to say, well, I want more faith. Exactly what I said we do. And, and you hear it in these words, I think. When you look at a person who's living a godly life, who's living the way that maybe you want to live when it comes to spiritual things, and you go, wow, what great faith they have. In other words, you're saying, they have a bigger faith than me, and so therefore, they are able to live out the faith more consistently, in a stronger way, in a more powerful way, in a more important way, something like that. And so all of us, I think, can connect with the disciples and say, wow, that's hard. Whatever God is asking us to do, that's hard. If only I had more faith. God, please increase my faith. And here's how Jesus replies. Not at all uh, what I would have expected. In verse six, he says, "It says he replied, Jesus replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Two really important things to notice about Jesus' hyperbolic statement here. First, a mustard seed is very, 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 very small. It's a very small seed. A smaller seed than like one of the smallest seeds that I think of that it, you know I eat consistently is sunflower seeds. Like, sunflower seeds are really small. A, a mustard seed is smaller. And even more important to that, it was proverbial in Jesus' world for something that is small. You know, you might say like as tiny as an ant or whatever, and they would say as tiny as a mustard seed in order to demonstrate the smallness of something. And so that's really important to understand Jesus' statement. And the other thing is a mulberry tree. Well, there's some debate about exactly the kind of tree that Jesus is talking about. And I went down a rabbit trail and read way too much on it. The thing that you need to understand is that it's a big sturdy tree with a really wide root system, which makes it almost impossible to uproot and move somewhere else. Uh, I think to illustrate this, you don't have to do anything other than look down. Uh, almost every one of you will have uh, something that looks like this. Ow, that just poked me really hard. Uh, I might be bleeding in a second, but all for the glory of God. Um, uh, but if all of you look down, you'll see blackberry uh, plants right beneath you right now. Almost every one of you can find, especially yellow section, because uh, you have to stare at the sun and avoid blackberry bushes all the time. Uh, but we are constantly out here fighting with blackberry bushes all the time and and what's amazing about them especially at the front of the property that we pretty much have killed now but you start to try to get rid of one of them and and you you know you get down into the root and you start digging at the roots and, and you realize that this blackberry you know thing that sprouted out of the ground is the same as that blackberry thing when you get down into the roots. They're one plant because the roots get so deep and they run so wide that you basically can never ever get rid of them. It's almost impossible to move them. This is what Jesus is saying. If you have a tiny little bit of faith, then you can do something as impossible as looking at a blackberry bush and saying, hey, get up out of the ground and you know go to somebody else's property. In our case, get out of here, blackberry bush. His point is, that the impossible can happen in your life with just a small amount of faith. And in other words, Jesus is saying so clearly here with this, this, this exaggerated statement, he's saying you don't need more faith to be more faithful. You don't need more faith to be more faithful. You don't need more faith to avoid causing others to sin. You don't need more faith to call people out on their sin. You don't need more faith to forgive people. You don't need more faith to be more honest. You don't need more faith to be at church more consistently. You don't need more faith to do the things that God has called you to do. You just need to live out your faith. There's two reasons, I think, for this. One's really in this passage and one, I think, has been clear in this series. The first reason is that it's not our faith that makes the impossible happen. It's the object of our faith. In other words, it's and this is a good thing to write down, I like this line right here. It, it is about the strength of our God and not the size of our faith. Uh, seeing impossible things in our lives happen through faith is not about, the, it is about the strength of our God and not the size of our faith. We serve an incredible God who created the world in six days, who sustains all, who had the wherewithal and uh, the love and the Compassion to come from heaven to earth to die for our sins, who walked around on this earth in the person of Jesus and did miracle after miracle. That's the God that we serve. And so, even just placing a little bit of faith in Him, even having a faith at all in Him, means that we can see incredible things happen in our lives because it's about the strength of our God and not the size of our faith. Uh, But the other thing. That I think is so important is that a big part of living a life of faith is simply doing the things that you know God wants you to do. There's no magical, you know, thing that's just going to make that happen. It's just a decision to do, as I've said a lot in sermons, the right thing at the right time in the right way, because you believe in the things that I just said, that we serve a, a great God who is also a good God that loves us and, and has provided salvation for us, uh, Joel Green, an author who wrote a book about the book of Luke, says the Savior replied that they have no need for more faith, but of the right kind of faith, a vigorous living faith. Uh, another book, The Bible Reader's Companion, says, how often we cry out for more faith when all that is really necessary is obedience to the commands of our Lord. I see this in people's lives in all kinds of areas that are difficult. I see it in exercise. I see it in eating healthy. I see it in being a hard worker. I see it in cleaning the house. I see it in uh, being a a good parent. There's this idea that that someday like this light switch will go on and all of a sudden uh, I'll naturally do the things that are hard to do. Like I'll have this, I don't know, this moment in my life when all of a sudden I can just Easy, it'll be easier for me to, to live in the way that I want to live. And Jesus, I think, both in a practical way, but even more so in a spiritual way, he cuts right through all of the excuses that we make about our faith. If it was just bigger, if I, I just had a special moment or a special anointing or a little bit more of the Holy Spirit, then I would actually do what God wants me to do. And he cuts right through all of that. And he says, no, 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 you don't need any more faith than you already have to be more faithful. You just need to decide to do the things that I have called you to do. That's it now that no matter what part is hard like doing the right thing no matter what that's hard right like because there's so many things that come up that make living out our faith you know difficult as we're talking about I think in Hebrews 11:6 we get a little bit of of how we can just choose to do what God wants us to do I've read Hebrews 11:1, you know in almost every sermon in this series because it offers us a definition for faith uh, being certain of what we hope for and a, uh, sure of what we do not see uh, but in Hebrews eleven six, it kind of tells us how we can live that out when it gets difficult. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God, which is exactly what we're talking about here, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, obviously, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So part of it is just believing that God is going to reward us for our obedience to him. And so living out faith is in some ways just saying, you know what, I believe that God exists and that God will reward me for my obedience to him, so I will choose to be obedient to him. But there's this thing that can happen if we start to live that way, we can go the other way and start to believe that our faith is more special than another person's faith. And so sometimes we look at others and say, wow, if I just had the faith like them, then I would do what God wants me to do. But sometimes I think we're on the other side of that. And we say, wow, I'm doing the things that God wants me to do because my faith is so big. And boy, oh boy. And what Jesus says, what Jesus says next is just just cuts through that too. In, in verses 7 through 10, he says, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. We say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat. Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants, We have only done our duty. I mean, this isn't like touchy-feely stuff from Jesus here. Like of, you know, all the things Jesus says, this might be low on the ones we're going to like hang up on our bedroom wall or whatever. Uh, Because he is saying like, once you become my follower, you are my servant. and, And you should in some ways just remember that that's what you are. You shouldn't be saying like, wow, look at me, I did the right thing today. You should just wake up every day and say like, what does Jesus want me to do? And when you've done it, you should not expect Jesus to bless you or make you richer or make you more prosperous or make your health better. You should just say, you know what, I've done what I am supposed to do. Now that seems like a really terrible thing. You might go like, well, why would I become a Christian then? And, and I've already alluded to this, but the trade-off is is so good, right? When we become Christians, we accept the idea that God came from heaven to earth to die for our sins, and he did it so that we could be forgiven and enter into a relationship with him. And with that relationship comes joy and peace and, and and. uh, and forgiveness and love and a future eternity in heaven and a, a belief that God is going to answer my prayers yes or no based on what is absolutely best for me. It comes with the promise of knowing that God will always take care of me and that care will last into eternity where I will live in a place, as we sang earlier, when, when all of this mess goes away and I live without any sorrow or pain or suffering or hurt or tears or death. But what we sometimes, that's all great, but we sometimes forget is that receiving that means saying, God, I give you my life, Jesus, I will follow you. But if we will make the trade, then Jesus says, we get all this, but the expectation is that you serve him, that you do what he wants you to do, no matter the cost to you. And I think we get that backwards. We look at God as, as like Santa Claus who kind of needs to give us a bunch of stuff. And sometimes I think we're, we're in this game of like expo, uh, like bribing God or whatever. Like, hey, if you bless me a little more, then I'll do what you want me to do. If you reward me for the things that I've done for you, then I'll do a little more for you. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You don't need more faith to be more faithful. And you shouldn't expect anything in return. It's your job as a Christian to be obedient to me, period. That's what Jesus is saying to us here. Uh, The teacher's commentary says, how this strikes at our excuses. We are so prone to complain, oh, if only I was a better Christian, or if only I had more, then I would do this or that, then I'd reach out to love or pray for my enemy. To such thinking, Jesus once and for all called out, stop. You don't need extra faith to obey. Or in other words, you don't need more faith to be more faithful. What you need to do is remember that Jesus is Lord. And if we are Christians, then we are his servants. We can never draw back from doing God's revealed will because we feel like we have inadequate faith. Let me say that again. We cannot draw back from doing God's revealed will because we think or feel that we have inadequate faith. We can't. We don't need more faith to be more faithful. We just need to choose to serve our God. How does this apply? For some of you, you're not Christians. You've never chosen to give your life to Jesus. Even though maybe you kind of believe or you do believe uh, the story that I've already presented, that God came, he died for our sins and all that. You believe it, but you've never actually embraced him as your savior. And and I think that for a lot of people, it's because, because you are waiting for some magical moment when all of a sudden this belief that you have inside of you will well up and spring forth and overflow. And you'll go, on that day, what you're thinking is on that day then I will choose to become a Christian. But the reality is you don't need more faith in that regard to become more faithful. You can choose this day to give your life to Jesus. You can choose right now to become his follower because you believe that story. Now, some of you, you maybe just don't believe it at all. Uh, I get that. And maybe you need another day to, to... come to the conclusion that all of this is real. Maybe you need to have a conversation. I'd love to have that conversation with you. But for some, I know there's many, many people who have just not become Christians because they're waiting for more faith to choose to become faithful. Stop and give your life to Christ. Uh, But for those of us that are Christians, I mean, just let's say it this way. Start doing what God wants you to do. Or stop doing what God doesn't want you to do. You don't need some miraculous and divine moment to make a choice to be more faithful. If there's people that you are causing to sin, stop doing that. If there's people that you're not rebuking in their sin and you know that they're sinning against you and God's called you to do it, then start to tell them like, hey, this is not okay. If there's people in your life that you're unwilling to forgive, start to forgive them. If you know that there's sin in your life, if you're looking at pornography or lying too much or uh, you're talking bad behind people's backs, you're gossiping about them, just stop doing it. Don't wait for some special moment. Or maybe there's things that God has called you to do. He wants you to reach out to your neighbors or share the gospel with somebody or show people love or help the homeless or be there for the broken and hurting, I mean, whatever it might be, don't wait for some magical sign in the sky, just, just do what God wants you to do. I'll tell you one story from my own life, it's, it's just, it's just this, I always got asked this question when I was a a younger pastor, and it would be like, hey, like, where'd your calling come from? How'd you know that, you know, you should be a pastor? And, And man, It felt like so many people, so many people have these incredible moments, right? Like, oh, you know, I was staring at the stars one day and it said pastor in the sky. Like, wow, like that's so cool. Like, uh, and for me, it was just like, it's just kind of new God wanted me to do it. Like, there's no story. There's no moment. It seemed like if I did anything else, if I was a lawyer, as my dad uh, mentioned earlier, which I think would be great. I would love to be a lawyer. That'd be a lot of fun. I just knew I'd be doing the wrong thing. And so I decided to become a pastor without any great story to tell people. <laughs> Wish I had a story, maybe someday. Uh, God will confirm this calling, you know, give me another 15 years. But but I think if I would have just sat around and waited, kind of knowing in my heart God wanted me to pa- be a pastor, if I would have said, God, if you'll just show me that I should make less money with a, a shining, you know, sign in the sky, if you just give me more faith, then I would have been disobedient to God and not done the thing that he wanted me to do. And I think there's lots of people around me, lots of people that I love that are waiting for more faith to be more faithful. And Jesus says two things here. Your faith, it's about the strength of your God and not the size of your faith. And also you don't need more faith to be more faithful. And so I hope that today you will choose whether by giving your life to Jesus or by making decisions to change your life to be more faithful to God. Let me pray that that will happen. Lord Jesus... I want to first pray for those people who aren't Christians. Lord, my words, they don't matter much compared to you, God, because it's not about the quality of my words, but uh, the greatness of you, God. And, And so I would ask, Lord, that you would just, you know, in loud ways or small ways or subtle ways, that you would draw them to you, Lord but you know I'm under the conviction that lots of people, I think every person is drawn to you in one way or another when they've heard your gospel, but I think you are drawing people in even miraculous ways who, God, are not responding in a faithful way, who aren't becoming Christians because, God, they're waiting for some bigger sign or an increase in their faith. And I pray today, God, you would convict their heart in a new way and you would draw them into you. Maybe just cut through all the excuses as you did with, their, with your disciples who walked the earth 2,000 years ago and, and draw them to you, Lord this morning but for those of us who are christians i think all of us have areas of life where we're just waiting for a bigger faith a more special faith something god in order to do the thing that you want us to do or to stop doing the thing that you don't and i pray god that you would use my words this morning to change our hearts in that issue god and we would be faithful god even if we feel like our faith is inadequate Help us to do the right thing at the right time in the right way, even when we're not sure we have the power to do it, God, because we understand, God, that it is about the strength of our glorious God, you, Lord, and not about the size of our faith, God. It's about you and who you are. So help us, God, to do what you want us to do always and forever. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.